Hello and welcome to Asylum Stories. This is the podcast where we talk all things asylum related, the history, patient experiences and the stories within. I'm Hannah. And I'm Scott. And this is episode one. How are you feeling about it? I feel pretty nervous. Yeah, me too. I feel nervous. We've never done a podcast before. This is our first one. And we're speaking into a mic while directly looking at each other, which is a bit weird. I'm sure I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure ourselves is going to get there, though, as we go along, right? <laughs> like, we're, dangerous, we're dangerously close. A one pillow separates us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are getting a new computer, though, with a desk and two computer chairs later on this week. Wow, look at us. So, I have a story for you this week. It is Willowbrook State School. So, we will be talking a little bit about the history of the school, inverted commas, sort of what happened in this place. Uh, I've got a patient story for you, and I just have to give out a trigger warning because it is pretty hard hitting even for the first episode. So, just to be clear, I don't know what you're going to say. No, no, I've written this. So I think it's probably best for you not to know what I'm going to say, Mm. um, just so that, yeah, you can be surprised. So I'm in the podcast, and I'm a first-time listener. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, will I get started? I think you could, Yeah. yeah. Go for it. So, Willowbrook State School. In October 1947, a large facility in Staten Island opened, admitting 20 mentally disabled patients from upstate institutions. The New York governor argued that there were thousands of children in the state who were mentally and physically defective and feeble-minded, who could never become members of society and who needed to be cared for with a high degree of tenderness and affection. So because these children were mentally disabled, they could never become members of society. Never. Not in a million years. And um, you put a lot of emphasis on the word affection there. I'm presuming there's... Tenderness and affection. So... I want you to remember those two words. So I'm thinking warm blankets, love and support. Yep, absolutely. The institution failed miserably. In this institution, people were starved, abused and neglected. The school and I say that in inverted commas, had a maximum capacity of 4,000 people. However, in 1965, they had more than 6,000 people living there. So over 2,000 more than what their maximum capacity was. It was overcrowded and understaffed. In 1960, there was an outbreak of measles that killed 60 patients. It is said that prisons had more room for their inmates than Willowbrook had for its Pupils. Again, inverted commas. Pupils. Define pupils. Well, it's called, to be honest, it's called a state school, but I think the people that lived there were more residents. Despite its name conveying that it's a school, there were barely any educational structure that took place. When teaching did happen, it was only for a handful of cooperative students and only for around two hours a day. So it wasn't a school. It was a place, and the parents aren't to blame for this, because in those days, if they couldn't care for their their children, the children would get sent to, for example, yeah. this school, and they would get locked up, and that was seen as the best thing for them. But 
it wasn't a school. It was more, it was an institution. Like they just got locked up and put in there. I, th- I think a key, key word you said there was uh, cooperative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only cooperative students. The patients were left to huddle in rooms to their own devices with little care and no resources to look after them. Many were naked from lack of clothing. Others were drenched in their own urine or feces. Sexual and physical abuse took place at the hands of fellow patients and employees. Disease was also very common because of the sexual abuse. Yeah. There were several outbreaks of hepatitis and this continued for over 10 years. And instead of receiving proper medical treatment, the patients were subjected to medical experiments. Saul Krugman was an infectious disease expert at NYU. He used mentally ill children at Willowbrook State School to show that hepatitis A and hepatitis B are distinct diseases. The patients were injected with the virus for a medical study. So the way that he did that was that they were forced to eat the faeces from other residents that were infected with the disease. And he put the feces into their food and chocolate milk. What the fuck? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it sounded like the human caterpillar. Or no. The um, human caterpillar. It's human the human centipede. centipede. <laughs> <laughs> the human caterpillar. No. Um, the human caterpillar. It's like not as bad. It's not as bad. I thought it was going to be like that. Chocolate milk as well. So, so no, you can oh. just um, like you can just imagine these children getting their chocolate milk and they don't know that what's in there. Like, oh. do you know what's really bad? Something like chocolate milk would be like a ray of sunshine in this place. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of around in your rags, soaked in urine, feces everywhere. You're being sexually assaulted by other like um, patients and members of staff and there's chocolate milk on the menu and you thought wow chocolate milk, milk. yeah and even that's fucked yep that's, you know what i mean that's fucked that is fucked yeah. do you agree absolutely how do you even make how do you even mix that if not it doesn't go into detail as to how how they did that so it is said that krugman has extended medical knowledge of the disease and has been remembered among bioethics. So he's actually praised for his work in the discovery and sort of how to manage hepatitis A and B. But his medical experiments were far from ethical. He argued that his work was ethical and that it was the best case scenario for his patients because they could receive care on his ward despite being infected with the disease. But from what I've said, we know what the care is like. Mm. So he died in 1995 and was highly praised for his essential work on hepatitis. His patients did not give consent and received no benefit for taking part in the medical trial. So they got infected with the disease. Uh, There's no benefit for them. Like, they didn't get anything out of it. He just used these patients because they're mentally disabled. They're, in these times, they are classed as retarded. There's no place in society for them. 
inject them with a disease and put them through a medical experiment and see what happens. So not on their right minds to consent? No, no, there was no consent. Staff members were not required to be subject to background checks. And like I've said, it was later discovered that staff members were physically, sexually and emotionally abusing towards the patients. There was approximately 50 patients to one staff member. Wow. A reporter in the 1960s was the first person to investigate Willowbrook. She got a job under a fake name and witnessed what actually happened. She printed the stories, however, they did not receive any recognition. Another reporter, Geraldo Rivera, created a story called Willowbrook, The Last Disgrace. Their story received a spotlight. So they snuck into the building with six cameramen and they managed to acquire evidence very quickly as to what was going on. It was overpopulated and the patients were living in squalid conditions. At the time, it was filled with 5,400 patients. The news show that it featured on, so we, you know, we went out with cameramen, so yeah. it actually got featured on a news show, and it was watched by millions of people. And it was seen that patients were huddled together. They weren't allowed outside. Middle-aged patients slept on chairs. Others crouched and rocked back and forth on the floor. Some children were naked. It is estimated that 60% of these patients were incontinent and 64% were unable to feed themselves. The smell coming from these rooms resembled disease and death. The patients were unclean, unattended and disregarded. So two things in relation to that. How do you find these people managed to even get in the place? Oh, the camera, like the cameramen? Yeah, cameramen. I have no idea. I mean, it doesn't sound like there would be much security in the place. Do you think it was just a case of there was so much people in there? You said 50 to 1, even there was so many people in there, but you wouldn't recognise the new guy. Yeah. I presume they were dressed up as doctors or nurses or... I know, but they had cameramen with them, so they wouldn't. They would have big cameras on their shoulder. (laughs) So they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they would stick out. Yeah, definitely. Unless they were disguised very well. Have you seen photos? Mm-hmm. Not of the cameramen, hmm. but I have seen photos of the... Must be discreet. Yeah. A second thing is, at what point do you stop caring? A hospital could be in quite a bad state. It could be a wee bit dirty, and you think, right, this is a wee bit dirty, we need to clean this up. Or this person needs cleaned up, and you can get back to where you want to be. But this place, it just sounds you're coming in to a place which is gone. Squalor. Like, squalor, no control. And I presume people stopped caring even less. I presume some people did care. Maybe they had no... They didn't have enough time to help everyone. Obviously, it's 50 to 1. But yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, that, yeah, I agree. I bet that there was some staff that probably did care and that... There probably was some people that worked there that de- genuinely did care for the people. Yeah, yeah. You're always going to get a bad apple. But I think maybe if the staff, some of the staff did care for the patients, they didn't have the resources no. or the support no. required to be able to care for that many patients. 50 to 1. I mean, 
it's unachievable. And, and it's totally the, the state's fault because they've not provided the funding or the staffing. Exactly. I mean, what, what can they do? But obviously, abuse is not the answer. No. that see, so you make a good point because you just said everyone has a bad apple. Now, you have 50 patients to one doctor or one nurse. Uh, nurse attendant. Yeah, attendant. If you have one bad apple, that's 50 people mm-hmm. who are going to be uh, disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the reporter interviewed a 21-year-old patient with cerebral palsy and another patient who had difficulty speaking and mobilising. They both explained that they had got beaten with sticks, belt buckles, and one of them had their head kicked into the wall by staff. They explained that most of the kids sat in the day room naked with no clothes all day and there was a lot of sexual abuse. This is coming from the horse's mouth. I mean, from people who actually lived there. Yeah. It's disgusting. How how could you even treat someone like that? I, it's, it's actually left me a bit speechless, to be quite honest. A year later, a student wrote about his summer job in a ward at Willowbrook. Every day, he witnessed a situation more or less identical to the one the reporter found. He described that 45 adolescents were huddled into a room, moaning and rocking back and forth, covered in their own faeces and urine. He got this job without an interview and was hired as a recreational aide. He was hired to make Willowbrook appear as if the patient-to-staff ratio were higher. Almost provide entertainment to the residents, you know, keep them occupied. Oh, right, 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 right. Do, I don't know, colouring in with them, take them outside on a walk, you know, keep them entertained, give them some activities to do. Yeah. When in reality, it was just really higher to make it look like there was more staff than there actually was. He didn't even get an interview. He got no training. Yeah, have a job. Here you go. I don't care who you are. Take the job. I'm go con- and work with these people. I'm confused. So was the job advertised as like some sort of entertainer? It doesn't say. It's He says that he was hired as a recreational aide. And my understanding of that is that he was hired... I mean, it could be as a, as a care assistant, but recreational is sort of like activities... And what you do in your free time. But nothing happened like that. He no. more or less was told to like try and make the place look more manageable than what it was. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, it was too good to be true, but you'd have some sort of entertainment. The parents had no idea what was happening. They were, so like I said, they were told to lock their children away and that was the best thing for them. They thought, lock them away. They'll be getting cared for. They'll have a better, better life in these institutions. They were allowed to visit, but it said that staff were on their best behaviour when the parents did visit. Hiding something. Following the news report and all of sort of the media attention that Willowbrook got, the parents filed a class action lawsuit against Willowbrook. This was the beginning of the end of the institution. 
The lawsuit stated that Willowbrook violated the rights of the residents. There were multiple violations that were cited and I'll just read you them. So they were confining residents for indefinite periods of time, failure to provide habitation, lack of education programmes for speech, occupational therapy and physiotherapy, failure to discharge eligible residents, inadequate clothing, meals and facilities, incompetent staff, failing to conduct periodic evaluations of residents to assess progress and refine goals and programming. So that's sort of like your care planning. Yeah. Overcrowding, lack of privacy, failure to provide protection from theft of personal property, assault or injury, confining residents to beds or chairs or solitude, lack of compensation for work performed, and inadequate medical facilities. So that is the list of violations. Just a few. Yeah, that were all filed in the lawsuit. And this only came from one particular lawsuit, or is this at the end of the road? This is like the end of the road, yeah, yeah. There wasn't, from what I was reading, the state ignored So like I said, the first reporter that went in, she wrote a story on it. It got ignored. Mm. From my reading, it is said that the state knew what was going on. They knew what was going on and they chose to ignore it. And it wasn't until the parents filed a lawsuit that anything was actually done about it. So who's the real criminals here? Exactly. Exactly. It's almost like it's their dirty little secret. I mean, it's basic things. Inadequate clothing, meals and meals, feeding your patients and putting clothes on them. They failed. They failed at that. The lawsuit demanded immediate improvement of conditions such as medical care, clothing, hiring additional staff, banning inhumane treatment such as restraint and seclusion and improving education. In 1975, a judge signed the Willowbrook Consent Decree, which forced New York State to improve conditions at the school and lower the overcrowding from 4,000 to no more than 250 by 1980. 4,000 to 250? In five years. The decree also stated that Willowbrook was required to spend $2 million to create places for Willowbrook transferees in hostels, hotels, halfway houses, group homes and sheltered housing. So the hospital was required to spend this money to make sure that the patients who were eligible for discharge had a place to go. So that's the, that's the only way they're going to get their numbers down, is if they discharge some patients. This decree did not immediately close down the institution, but it was recognised that disabled people had a right to be protected against harm and cared for in a humane, non-institutional setting. The parents also argued that their children's right to education and equal protection was violated. In 1993, a judge approved that residents at Willowbrook were to receive high-quality services for the rest of their lives, as they fucking should. Although it's going to be great, 
it doesn't matter where you go like you're you're taking everything you experience with you yeah yeah that's like you being put in temporary accommodation being sexually assaulted under fed and like actually it's okay now because here's a nice house yeah you can go stay in and there's a garden doesn't take their trauma no not at all willowbrook closed in 1987 that's a shock yeah i know it was i thought it was going to stay open forever it was making strides with patient care so 1947 to 1987 40 years Mm. that's how long it was open for 34 years later a politician says that it was a mistake to close willowbrook mayoral you know the word mayor but it's like a mayoral candidate like a candidate that's up for becoming mayor. So, yeah. Yeah. Of New York City stated that it was an overreaction and a mistake to close Willowbrook and that only a few employees harmed the patients. An overreaction. An overreaction. There were patients naked, covered in feces and urine, sexually abused, physically abused. But it was an overreaction. That's only because of the a couple of bad eggs. Yeah. According to this guy. One idiot. Yeah. Is it can he be serious? Does he know what's going on? I know. I know. Unless this is probably a I mean, this is just me thinking I don't know anything, because obviously this is the first time I've heard this too. These people were going to other places, which probably cost money, a little bit yeah. more to yeah. the state. Mm-hmm. And him saying this is probably, he's not looking too much into what they went through, listening to their stories, understanding the actually, you know, the depth of what's going on. He's probably not even caring about that. And no, he just wants to become mayor. Yeah. But he's... My overreaction is in his, I, I hope he didn't get elected. Did he? I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. But this time it's going to be better because we're getting rid of all all the bad eggs. There Fe- were... Feces in a milkshake. I know. Bad eggs. There were ninety. I get it. I know. I get it. There were ninety-seven reported allegations of physical abuse, twenty-three allegations of mental abuse, and hundreds of other reports of neglect. Only a couple of bad eggs, though. And it was an overreaction. It was an overreaction, though. All those cases were because of one man. Yeah. One man. One bad egg. Today. The buildings are now part of the College of Staten Island. So I have got a little bit of information about one of the residents that stayed there. I'm actually kind of dreading to hear what this person went through. Magdalia and her sister were placed into Willowbrook at age seven. She received a diagnosis of developmental disability and mental retardation. I hate that word. I hate the word retard. I think I think it's so negative mm. and it's it's an awful way to describe someone. <laughs> I also have never heard up until today retardation. Yeah. So what was the first bit? Developmental disability. See, why can't they just stop there? I know. Because mental retardation is so unnecessary and it's such a kick in the teeth. It's like me saying to you, Hannah, you are going to be admitted with dyslexia, mm-hmm. one leg, and total mental retardation. Thanks very much. No, but 
That's what I mean. It's so our replaces are so unnecessary. Their parents try to care for them in their apartment, but as their family expanded to fourteen children, fourteen children, Dad. the girls' needs became too great. The girls were incontinent and unable to feed or dress themselves and could not respond to simple directions, according to their hospital records. I've got another I've got another one for you. The admission forms used the harsh terminology of the time. Under mental status, the staff had checked the same box for each girl. Idiot. Really? Yep. That was their mental status. They were idiots. You're mentally retarded and you're an idiot. It, it actually, it, it makes me cringe thinking about how you could... I, I mean, I, I know that it's a sign of the times. That's what they used to say back then. But an idiot. Again. An idiot was... I just... Oh, it's just horrible. Can you imagine someone in your school having learning difficulties? And be like, well, there's an idiot. Yeah. An idiot is someone who leaves... You, when you leave the car unlocked overnight, you're an idiot. Yes. Well, I think uh, <laughs> I think the terminology is outdated then, and I think it's even more outdated now. Are her dogs an idiot because she's scared of the wind? I think that's cute. <laughs> I think that's cute. I don't think, I don't think... I think you thinking she's an idiot makes you an idiot. Lately, our dog has been very, very scared of the wind. We're getting into September. Uh, no, we're in September. We're getting into October now. And the dog, Millie, she has never been scared of the wind before. And all of a sudden, she's developed a fear of the wind. So every time the wind comes through the window, she gets a fright. And if it's during the night, she will go to Scott's side of the bed, wake him up and cry and want a cuddle through the night. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. What a fucking idiot. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that was harsh from me. She's not an idiot. When I'm speaking out loud, it sounds really cute. But she knows better than to come and disturb me. She never comes to disturb me. I know. Because <laughs> I never wake up. <laughs> this is going to be episode one and only episode one. We've called each other an idiot too many times. <laughs> We're getting away. We're getting away. We're, yeah, yeah. Okay. We've, we've went off topic. Yeah. Magdalia spent 16 years at Willowbrook and was in her early 20s when she left. Her sister lost her eyesight while at Willowbrook. I don't know the circumstances as to how she lost her eyesight. When Magdalia was at the school, bruises started appearing on her arms and legs and she had a shoe print bruise on her belly. It was later ruled that she was beaten by staff members. She left, obviously, and she went to another residential facility where she still lives. She turned 85 in 2020, so she'll be 86 now. Have you ever been kicked so hard? So you get a punch to your arm, that can give a bruise. Can you imagine how hard you'd, and often you'd have to be stamped to get a shoe print? I know. Depending on what age she is, though, if it's a full-grown adult that's stamping on the child's belly, it's 
you're not going to need to be kicked that many times. Mm, true, true. It's clear to see that these patients were not cared for tenderly or affectionately. These vulnerable people were exposed to years of abuse and torment at the hands of untrained people who were meant to care for them. I genuinely cannot even fathom what type of person it takes to abuse these people and I just hope that they're safe now. The overall situation is really fucked. If you think about, just for a second, what these people went through, even an inch of what they went through. And they were children. They were children. They do not deserve to be... No one deserves to be treated like that. No one deserves to be treated like that, especially people who have learning difficulties. And they don't even understand why they're getting treated like that, you know? It's it's disgusting. If anything, more more fragile individuals who you know deserve more love and support because they're still a person at the end of the day. I feel like all these people admitted were almost like broken toys, mm-hmm. which nobody wants to play with. So let's just break them even more. Whereas all the good working toys with nothing well in the eyes of them, nothing wrong with them or. And it's a shame that it took. For the patients to file, the parents, sorry, to file a lawsuit for anything to be done. But at least when they did, something was done about it. But it took a a long-ass time for anything to be done about it. Highly questionable the state knew about it and it was okay. That is suspect. Yeah. That is suspect as anything. So it begs the question, had the parents, had these photographers... Never managed to break in mm-hmm. through word of mouth and record all this, and the parents never caught wind or filed any complaints. How long, like how much longer could it have went on for? How worse could it have gotten? Yeah, I know. Sexual abuse, malnourished, covering your own feces, beaten, naked, naked, no privacy, no privacy, like restraint, seclusion, hell, not getting food, not getting fed. It's awful. It's awful. That's was this, was this not did no the only thing I know about this briefly is is this not based off um, a TV show or a TV yeah. show based on it? But I don't know which one. I just you said it to me in passing, but you didn't tell me any further. Which TV show was that? So this is actually the inspiration for drumroll, please. American Horror Story. Oh, Asylum. Yep. No. Yep. That's uh, it's the inspiration, and you can see quite a lot of it. Yeah. You can see how it inspires oh, it. To be quite honest. Horrible. You can completely see. I don't know if I'm. Be- I don't know if I am not. If I'm imagining it, or if maybe it was another. Ep- another series that we watched, but did a camera crew not break into Asylum as uh, the mm. hor- American Horror Story? Or was that... I think it, I think are you, it might have done. Are you thinking about the... Uh, no, it definitely had Sarah Paulson in it. I th- We will Google it. We will Google it and get back to you, but I think that in Asylum, American Horror Story, there was a camera crew that broke in to the institution. See, I honestly think there was. See, I thought you were getting confused with maybe the Roanoke one because they had a camp. It was like a TV yeah. show. So yeah. 
Asylum was the... It was fucked. It was... It was the best season, though. Oh, it was the best season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've not seen it in a while, but I remember it gave me the kind of same... There was one scene in particular. It gave me the same kind of shock factors, like Sinister. That film scared me. But it's a scene... I might... I've not watched it in a while, but I just remember it is... There was, like, a girl who was friends with one of them. She disappears for a while, and then they break into, like, the doctor's, like, head room or, like, operating room, and she's lying on the floor, and all her legs and arms have been amputated. Or, or yeah, legs. I do remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I just remember seeing that, and I was like, that is, that is, I, I, it's acting that's fucked up. By the way, if you've not noticed already, Scott's catchphrase is, that's fucked. It's, it describes things beautifully, in my opinion. <laughs> In fairness, though, and to round that up, though, is that's a TV show, and that was kind of that. that that's scary. That was what? Sorry, that was fucked. That was fucked. That was fucked. But let's be serious. The reality was also more fucked. Exactly. And that's that. The re uh, that was based and inspired by reality. The difference is we can't watch on TV. You can read about it, which is not the same impact as watching on TV in Hollywood. That, that happened. Yep. And that's children. I mean, if you think you have a bad childhood, think of that. Yeah. So that has been our first episode of Asylum Stories. Yay. We... Oh, thank you. That's okay. Oh. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And we hope that you will join us next week for our new episode. Any any final words? Not How do that. you feel after doing your first episode? You said that you were nervous. Oh, that felt fun. That felt fun. When yeah. you forget you're talking to a, a microphone, you're just talking. Well, we'll just forget about the fact that we've had three beers each. Ooh, Ooh three beers. <laughs> and could it be more to look forward to next episode, Anna? Yeah. Are you going to tell me after about next episode? You're going to no, keep it hot. No, no, no. I'm going to keep it all a secret. Well, that concludes our first ever episode of Asylum Stories. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.